discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Yeah. Pure faith. Pure faith. <laughs> yeah. What is pure faith? Now, you know, the word pure means unmixed, unadulterated. Nothing is mixing with it. Not diluted. Most of the times, the faith of God's people becomes diluted and becomes mixed. Uh-huh. Now, let me show you quickly three ways by which faith becomes diluted and mixed. Some people have faith, but do you know that you can, you can have faith you can have faith and fear at the same time? A mixture. <laughs> now, let's look at Luke chapter 8. Let's read from 48. All right. 49. And see, while he yet speak, there came one of the ruler of the synagogue's house, synagogue's house, saying, that's Jairus. Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. And remember the story of Jairus? Yeah. For the sake of time, I didn't want to read everything. Okay, let's go to 47. Find me where Jairus came to Jesus. It's within the story. And behold, there came, thank you very much, a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. The next verse. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she, was, and she lay a dying. But, but as he went, the people thronged him. All right. Now let's go back to... Let's go back to where we were. And while he speak, there came one of the... So this man came to Jesus for Jesus to go and heal his daughter. And while he yet speak, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue's house saying, that daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Yeah. Can you imagine? So the guy should be discouraged. The next verse. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, fear not. So he, fear was just coming in. Believe only. Now, you know why Jesus said believe only? Now, in Mark 5.36, Jesus said only believe. But in Luke, he says believe only. <laughs> Tell your, na- your, your neighbor, believe only. believe only. Another person, only believe. Only believe. Yeah. Now, it means that you can believe and have fear at the same time. So he said, believe only. Don't add fear to it. <laughs> That's why he said, believe only. 
Tell your neighbor, believe only. Believe Haven't you seen someone who sees an image in the, in the dark and says, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. It's like, it's as if, in Jesus, he, he has fear to say in Jesus' name, but there is fear mixed with, so, in, so as he's saying, he's going down, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. <laughs> so the fear actually overcomes the faith. So the first mixture is that fear can mix with faith. That's what Jesus said, believe only. Only believe. That is why a lot of faith doesn't seem to work. And the solution is God's word. It's God's word. You have to feed on God's word so that the faith you have will not be mixed with fear. Amen. Amen. Number two. Number two. Your fear can be mixed with doubt and unbelief. That's an adulterated faith. There's faith in your heart, but it's mixed. That's sometimes. Let me show you what Jesus did when he was ministering healing. It's amazing. Let me just, I wouldn't go through the, with it, uh, go through the scriptures, but I want to, uh, let me just briefly mention it. There was a time Jesus was healing a man who was blind in Bethsaida. It was in a town called Bethsaida. Jesus took him out, out of the town. Outside the town. And Jesus spat on his eyes and healed him. Why couldn't Jesus heal him in Bethsaida in the town? <laughs> Number two. There was a time the Bible said there was a man who was deaf and, and dumb. There was a multitude. Jesus took the man and separated him from the multitude. And put his hands on his ears and said, Ifata. And he got him healed. How would Jesus separate him? Number three. When Jesus went to the house of Jairus, which we read, if you go down there. When he got there, the people were mocking. He said, oh, the, uh, she's, not, she's not asleep. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. They mocked. When Jesus got there, he sacked all of them. Before he risen from the dead. Why would Jesus sack all, all of them? Peter did, did the same thing when she was raising the girl from the dead. Peter sacked them. Ah. Elijah did the same thing. Elisha did the same thing. Why? Because the environment of doubt and unbelief can neutralize faith. It can neutralize faith. <laughs> it's amazing. Hmm. That is why, look, there are some churches, if you go to minister, for one healing to occur, it's very difficult. <laughs> that kind of healing comes by God's mercy. <laughs> Qatar is even a problem. Why? Because the whole atmosphere is unbelief and doubt. But when you are in a church where faith is constantly, constantly preached, yeah, so when we preach faith, faith, righteousness, all these things, you realize that that church experiences miracles. It's just happening, 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 happening. Because the atmosphere is very important. Favor, thank you. Atmosphere is very important. Praise God. Now, you need to keep yourself in the word of God. So that you can, your faith will not be mixed. You have faith, but you realize that doubt, doubt is coming in. John the Baptist was in prison. Then he sent his disciples to go and ask Jesus whether he is the one. You know what Jesus said? He said, go tell John. Hmm. 
The sick are healed. The lepers are cleansed. The dead are raised. Mention all these things. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. See, John might have been offended in Jesus. But, ah, if this was the same Messiah I introduced, why has he not come to release me and help me and has left me alone like, alone like this in the prison? You could see John was struggling. But this is what Jesus did. Jesus is amazing. When the disciples left, Jesus began to tell the multitude about John that he is the greatest person that ever lived, apart from Adam. Because he said, among them which are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So he's saying that all who have been born of women, except Adam who was not born of a woman, none is greater. So he's greater than Abraham and all of them. I'm thinking, if Jesus, he waited for the disciples to go before he said this to the crowd. At least, if he had made the disciples wait for them to hear this, John would have been encouraged that, hey, I'm the greatest. <laughs> John would have been encouraged in prison. I'm the greatest. But Jesus didn't do that. He waited when they left. He started talking about John. Why? Look at the answer. Now look at the answer he gave the disciples. Go tell John. And he quoted from the book of Isaiah what the Messiah will come to do. Because Jesus knew John the Baptist was acquainted with the book of Isaiah. Jesus knew John was acquainted with the book of Isaiah. So he quoted Isaiah's prophecies about what the Messiah will come and do. So Jesus brought John back to God's word. <laughs> he brought John back to God's word and sent the disciples. Because John, John even quoted from Isaiah. John, his ministry and life was written by Isaiah. Uh-huh. He was acquainted with the book of Isaiah. So Jesus referred him, him back to the word. Why? Because the word is the only remedy to remove doubt and unbelief from your heart. Hallelujah. So, brethren, for instance, you are praying against witches, wizards, Satan. Hey, Satan, hey, hey, what about if he comes after me? You have made your faith with fear. Why should you be afraid of Satan or witches? No. I've never seen light afraid of darkness before. Finally, my last point. Say more time. <laughs> but do you know how long this last point is going to keep? <laughs> I want you to know whether the last thing you ask, oh, more time, whether it's in your heart. You see, now, your faith can be mixed with the law. With the law. The law. That's a big one. In fact, the greatest hindrance to faith is the law. That's why the Bible says that the law is not of faith. The Bible says the law is, is not of faith. <laughs> you know why people's faith are not functioning? The law. You need to understand what it means. Now, Abraham is supposed to marry Sarah. True or false? Yeah. Abraham is a symbol of faith because he's a father of faith. And Sarah is grace. You know Sarah is grace in Galatians 4. Sarah is the covenant of grace. Faith is supposed to marry grace. That's what the Bible says in Romans 4. Yeah, is that from 16 or something? He says that it is of faith that it might be by grace. Praise God. Now, Abraham is not supposed to marry Hagar because Hagar is the law. 
Faith is not supposed to marry the law. Faith is supposed to marry Sarah, which is grace. Because what, when faith, Abraham marries Sarah, the result is Isaac. And Isaac in Hebrew means laughter. Faith plus grace equals laughter. But the law is a symbol of Hagar in Galatians 4. Hagar was cast out. The Bible says, cast out a bond woman. The law must be cast out, not mixed with faith, if we have genuine faith. I don't know whether you are really, really, really here. Faith and grace gives laughter. Abraham and Sarah gives Isaac. You know, grace makes, but faith takes. All that Jesus did for us is God's grace. The hand that receives it is called faith. Uh-huh. So the, the two goes together. The greatest hindrance to faith is the law. Hmm. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. But let's see what can negate this faith. The next verse. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, Christ is dead in vain. What does it mean to frustrate the grace of God? What does it mean to frustrate the word grace of God is the favor of God. Favor you cannot earn or deserve. I do not frustrate. Paul is saying, I don't. He was preaching to Peter. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Now, the word frustrate means, I do not nullify the grace of God. I do not make void the grace of God. I do not set aside the grace of God. So the believer can set aside God's grace. The believer can make void God's grace. The believer can nullify God's grace. Now the word frustrate is the word atetio in the Greek. Now atetio was the word that was used for rejecting certain officials who were incompetent and incapable of, of, of fulfilling their duties. I gave this guy the chance to sweep this place or to do this work. He cannot do it. So I sack him. The sacking is called frustrate, atetio. And in those days, certain officers went and they, they examined grains, food. Some grains were rejected. It couldn't be sold in the market. The rejection of those grains is called atetio. So atetio means you are rejecting God's grace. You are nullifying God's grace. You are making it empty and void and nothing. Paul says, I don't do that. Why? For if righteousness comes by the law, what does it mean? You know how to frustrate God's grace? How to nullify, reject? For if righteousness come by the law, that means if I become righteous by my own obedience, if I become righteous by my own good behavior, if I become righteous by what I do, then Christ died in vain. Praise God. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. <laughs> Some people think they can they are righteous because of how they are living. You know, you know, if you say, God, I'm righteous, I'm, I'm living very well. I'm not saying don't go and live well. 
No, the real, the true righteousness will cause you to live well. But if you say, Lord, I'm living well, so I'm righteous, you are saying that Christ died needlessly. That, that the Greek says Christ died needlessly. If you say that you could become righteous by your own doing, by your own deserving, by your own earning, then Christ died in vain. So why did Christ die? To give you righteousness. That's what he says. He says, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. Why? Because Christ died to give me righteousness. So I couldn't have attained it by my works. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. So the reason Christ came to the earth was to die. The reason he died was to give me righteousness. He came to take my place that I might take his place. But if I could attain to that standard myself, then he shouldn't have come. So to reject his righteousness and to try to achieve it is to insult him and to say it is useless he came to die because you can have it yourself. So every day don't think you are living right because you are righteous. You are, <laughs> no, your righteousness is based on what he gave you. Glorify him. Please are you here with me? Okay, this is a foundation to a verse I'm, I want to show you. Galatians 5 verse 4. Galatians 5 verse 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Hmm. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now this is a very serious thing. <laughs> Listen. Listen. Christ is become of no effect to you. The worst thing that can happen to a believer is not to fall into sin. The worst thing that can happen to a believer is to fall under the law. Wow. <laughs> What a statement. Now, now look at it well. <laughs> now what does it mean to fall from grace? To fall from grace doesn't mean you fall into sin. No. That is what the word says. Oh, this guy is falling from grace. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> to fall under the law is worse than falling into sin. <laughs> Are you here with me? Hmm. If you fall into sin... There is remedy for you. The Savior came for sinners. So there is remedy. But if, if you fall under the law, you have exchanged Christ. So you are on your own. Now, Christ, listen, Christ is become of no effect. Do you know what it means in the Greek? You can check many other versions. But when the Bible says Christ has become of no effect, hey, Christ has become of no benefit to you. That's the word. Christ has become of no profit to you. That's what it means. Christ, some version says, you are severed from Christ if you are justified by the law. Other versions says, you are cut off from Christ if you are justified by the law. So the word means to cut off from Christ, to be severed from Christ, to be justified, to be, ju to be cut off, to be cut off, to be severed. <laughs> Christ is of no profit to you. That means that you are a believer. Let me explain. You know, electricity flows through copper. It can't flow through rubber. Rubber is a pore, it's an insulation. Okay. So if you are a believer and you are justified by the law and you think you, you are righteous by the things you are doing, what is happening is that Christ, you are cut off from Christ. That doesn't mean you are not saved. You are still saved. 
You are still in Christ. But Christ is of no benefit to you. The same way electricity, electricity cannot flow through rubber. Everything that Christ has and is cannot come to you. So you are on your own. Christ cannot minister healing to you. Christ cannot minister prosperity to you. He cannot minister wisdom to you. He cannot minister peace to you. He cannot minister abundance to you. He cannot minister love to you. You are cut off. He is of no benefit. You are alone on your own. Why? Because you have taken the, the position of the law. Now, do you understand why I said it's very dangerous to be under the law? Because you are cut off from Christ. Now, give you another version. Change the versions. You, he says, for if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. Hmm. You have fallen from grace. Praise God. So, there, there are many believers around. Christ is not flowing to them again. They can't have healing. They can't have peace. They can't have protection. They can't have wisdom. They can't, there is nothing flowing from Christ. They have become like insulation, rubber. Christ has become like insulation. Nothing from Christ is coming to them. And many are like that in the church. Because they have taken the place of the law. Listen. <laughs> if you fall into sin, it's better than falling into the, under the law. I'm not saying go and fall into sin. Don't be foolish. You know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that, listen. Look at the Corinthians and the Galatians. The Corinthians, eh, they were stubborn. They were sinning in the church. Look, they were taking each other to court. Some were even doing fornicating in the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you check the history. Some were murmuring. Some were, they were envy. Yet when Paul wrote to them, he wrote to them a very warmly friendship greetings. Because their problem was that they didn't know who they were in Christ. Don't you know that you are the temple of God? But he was very friendly to them. But when he wrote to the, to the Galatians, they were not living in sin, but they had come under the law. You know how he said to them, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He was harsh and hard that you should not believe the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Because Paul knew, knew what it meant to be under the law. Hey, under the law, you will sin with that, you will, you, it, <laughs> the law. Oh, foolish Galatians. He called them foolish. He never called the Corinthians foolish. He says, before whose eyes, Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth. You know what? It, the word is prographo. It's like a billboard, a public writing. Evidently set forth in Greek is a public writing or a public screen, or a, bill, a billboard. They were not there when Jesus died. But Paul had preached the cross so much that to them, it's like a video. <laughs> they had seen the cross. They had understood the dynamics of the cross. They had seen it. He, it was set before you. They knew it. They knew it. They knew why Jesus died. I said, you are, who has bewitched you? You know what it means to be a witch? It's a word for a serpent. The serpent's ability to use his deceptive eyes, deceptive eyes to hypnotize its prey. You know, a serpent has some eyes, be. If it wants to catch its prey, it can use the eyes too. <laughs> and the prey is, you know, enchanted. And pa, it smites the prey. That's the word for bewitched. Hmm. Praise God. 
All right, now before I end, what does it mean to be under the law? Because it's a principle. It's not, it's the Ten Commandments, but it has to do with something else. The principle of effort and works. Now, when you come under the law, the Bible says you are falling from grace. You know what it means to fall from grace? To fall from God's unmeritable, unmerited, unend blessing. To blessings you end and merit yourself. So, this is what it means to be under the law. It's, 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 this is how it, it, it says. I'm blessed by what I'm doing, by the way I'm living my life. Not by what Jesus did. I'm blessed. I'm living well to end the blessings of God. I'm living well to merit the blessings of God. I'm living well to deserve his blessings. Now, it's it's very subtle. It's like saying, okay, I'm going to live my life well. I'll not gossip. I'll not fornicate. I'll live holy. I'll come to church. I'll not go to nightclub. I'll not smoke. I'll make sure I'm consistent so that God will bless me and God will prosper me. It, it looks very nice. But someone can be so engrossed, living well. God must bless me because I'm living right. That alone, you've come under the law. Hey. You have fallen from God's favor. You have fallen from favor you don't deserve to favor you are deserving. You have fallen from favor you didn't earn. Now you are earning your own favor. So you are trying to live right and well, come to church and do everything so that you score points with God so God can bless you. You are cut off. Jesus is not in the picture. Hey. <laughs> now, you live well. Am I saying don't live well? Of course not. That is why in the church, eh, there are some people who have been in the church for a long time. They've tried power. But when they see some young girls coming to the church and their life quite, it doesn't seem so intact, but they seem to be getting blessed. About these people, they just came to church two years, one year, things are getting well with them. They are wondering why they. They've lived well and holy, and why good things are not happening to them. Most of such thinking is being under the law. Because you are saying that God should pay you for having lived right. (laughs) And a lot of those people are in the church and they become very embittered in life. Because these people, ah, we are are even holier than them. But they seem to be getting blessed. That's a problem. So you don't live well so that God will bless you. You live well because you are already blessed. <laughs> you live well because you love him. You live well because you are his slave. You love him. Not to earn anything. That motive can disqualify you from a lot of things. Hallelujah. <laughs> now the next thing is that you can even use service to be under the law. Service. Second Corinthians 6 verse 1. Now, we then as workers together with him beseech you that 
you receive not the grace of God in vain. Let me show you how you can receive God's grace. Now, you are there and God gives you a heart to come and clean all the chairs in this church every Sunday morning. The desire comes. God is giving you grace. Praise God. Now, he gives you the burden to come and sweep the church. He gives you the burden to take care of your pastor or to do something. If you reject it, you have received the grace in vain. But if you embrace the grace and do what you have to do, reward comes. So there are people, he's talking about we the workers. Reward comes. So there are people, God gives graces to do certain things in the church. They don't do it. So they don't see the reward. Praise God. Thank you. Please can sit down. But there's another thing. And the, the, the other side is this. There are people who are doing a lot of things in the church. They are evangelizing, winning souls, they are committed, they are elders, they are deacons, they are pastors doing a lot of things for the reason that God will bless them. They want to use their service to get God's blessing. God must bless me. God is obliged to look at more times I've swept, swept the church. Every Sunday, every midweek, God is obliged to bless me. God is obliged. That mindset is the law. You are like the prodigal son. The elder brother of the prodigal son. You know what he told his father? All these years I have kept that commandment. I have not even broken one. I have served you hunting and you didn't give me even one kid. So all those years he was serving to get one kid. Seven. Seven. To get something. You are serving because you want God to do, to do something for you. <laughs> Christianity is not like that. So all these so all these years, when his junior brother came, who had messed up, the father gave him the fatted calf. You see, all you know, he had eye on the fatted calf. So he was embittered. Why the father would give the, the better calf, the, the fatted calf to the brother who had gone to mess up? And he said, all these years, all these years, I've been doing all. So that day he exposed himself. Everyone is working, but we can't see motives. Others are working because they love God. Others are working because we are his slave. They are working because, I mean, look, <laughs> what a joy to serve God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because that's the grace he has given us. But others are working because they want God to pay them. They want to earn God's blessing. God must do this for me. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're engrossed with that, you are like the elder brother of the prodigal son. And you know, the, the end, his end, he started, he became embittered. He became envious. He became jealous. He murmured and he complained. Anytime you, are in a, you start envying someone else or becoming jealous or you are murmuring or complaining, you've come under the law. That's an evidence that previously you were under the law. Yeah. <laughs> a brother <laughs> told me that he was going to visit another brother, but he, had, well, he was a sen- he's senior in the ministry. He said he parked his car and walk to that brother's house. Because if he goes to that brother's house with his car, he becomes embittered. It's every time he takes the car, his car, he says, hmm, hey, what is God doing to us? All these years I've been doing ministry. God hasn't even given me a car. Me people, I started ministry far, far before you, but you have all these things. He began to question if they are doing their thing sincerely. He began to question it. Yeah. The guy began to doubt everyone. 
and he began to doubt all the faith preachers he was following. Yeah. He began to doubt all of them. Pastor Chris Bishop, he doubt all of them because he felt that he has said God faithfully. If it was true, God by his service should have give, granted him a lot of things. Now he had serious sickness. This is cancer or something, broken down. He went back to Pastor Chris. Went to Nigeria. You know what happened? You know, the healing school. They made a mistake to write the cancer, the sickness he had. So when Pastor Chris reached there, he said, no, that's, a, that's not a sickness. Then he mentioned a real sickness and said, you are healed. Instantly he was healed. Now he's back. <laughs> he's back in faith. He's back in grace. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> if you live that way, look, you are cut off from God's supply. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. The next way you, you, you can be under the law is to think God is accepting you based on what you are doing. You think God is accepting you based on your fasting? Hmm. Oh, favor. Why did you say A? <laughs> it's amazing, right? Yeah. yeah. Let me show you. I have made some of these mistakes in the past. When I was in secondary school, I really wanted to speak in tongues. We started preaching after Jesus everywhere. And all my friends, even my converts, after Jesus, spoke in tongues except me. Those I led them to Christ spoke in tongues except me. And we prayed for them and they were speaking in tongues. But me, myself, I wasn't speaking in tongues. So when I go to secondary school, I wanted to speak in tongues. So in essence, I fasted for 40 days. I missed breakfast, I missed lunch, I missed supper. And 40 days. I was eating around 10 p.m., something small, for God to give me the gift of speaking in tongues. I didn't get it. I went for another 60 days. I'm telling you. I didn't get it. I gave up. When I gave up, one day I had eaten from Lenny Hall. I was sitting at the prayer chapel in Fansman School. I was sitting there and I said, Boko So, so, when I finished school, this brother came to me that he wanted to speak in tongues. I had learned my lesson. <laughs> but I told him that, okay, meet me at the school. It was somewhere in Elmina State Flat. So, I told him that, okay, there's a school there. Meet me there at one o'clock. Don't eat. Fast and come. So, when he came, I said, you know, this thing, this thing doesn't come by fasting. It's God's free gift. Then he told him that, please, wait for me. I'm coming. <laughs> so, I thought there was something urgent he had to attend to. So, he ran. I waited for 45 minutes. So when he came back, I asked him, what did you go and do? He said, I went to eat. <laughs> so all this time, they said, but you told me it's not by, it's not by fasting. I said, okay, you stand here. Receive it in Jesus' name. That guy spoke in tongues and sang in tongues. Prophet. Hey! Look, I was becoming envious. <laughs> 40 days. So it's a free gift I was trying to earn. But God proved to me that you cannot earn my free gift. So those days, we're taught that we should evangelize every day. So well, after SS, every day we evangelized. So the day, but there were some days I couldn't evangelize. So the day I evangelized, I felt that my prayer went up straight to heaven. Unhindered. But the day I don't evangelize, I feel that it has hit the ceiling. 
<laughs> all was under the law. Don't think that God should hear you because you have lived holy. Is the law. Don't think that God has, must hear you because you've gone to give. Law. Don't think that God must um, heal you because y- y- your life is intact. Law. Don't think God must accept you because of some good thing you are doing. Law. In the same way, God doesn't reject you for the bad thing you did. That is called grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. God accepts you based on the blood. Jesus Christ. Look, do all the good works. Live right, holy. But never think you are accepted by that. That is totally unacceptable before the presence of God. You are supplanting Jesus and his blood. Hallelujah. So, if you are the holiest person on earth, don't bring that before God, that that is the proof of your acceptance. You are saying Christ died in vain. So, when you bring that to God, you are disqualified. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, another thing that shows you under the law is this. When you, tr- when you trust yourself, or when you try, <laughs> anytime you are trying, no, anytime you are trying with your effort to stop the sin that you are struggling with, you come under the law. <laughs> yeah, trying. We don't try, we trust through the word. That one, take the message we preached there. I preached last Sunday at Spintex. Yeah. But you see, after Jesus, do you know that anytime God wants you to give, but if you don't give everything God wants you to give, and you withhold your giving, you're under the law. You've come under the principle of the law. Let, let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> Do you know that when you are discouraged, you walk in discouragement, you've come under the law. <laughs> Depression, you've come under the law. Worry, you've come under the law. <laughs> thing shows that you've taken your eyes from him. You are looking to yourself. What you have done and what you have not done. You are looking to yourself. And let me give an example. You know the rich young ruler who came to Jesus? He said, what, what must I do that I might inherit eternal life? Wrong question. Eternal life and he says, do. Jesus is very smart. Huh. What shall I do? And Jesus also gave him the law. Because Jesus knew the guy was law conscious. So he gives him the law for he, to bring him to the end of himself so he might desire Jesus. So the law is to bring man to the end of himself. It's to bring man. It's a, it's a schoolmaster to bring us to faith and to Christ. Uh-huh. So the law is to expose you because you cannot live by it. So you will see the need of a savior. Jesus felt the guy has pride in his heart. He must come to the end of himself. So he gave him the law. Oh, don't you know what the law has said? <laughs> then Jesus tested him. Okay. Go and sell all that you have. You say you've kept all the, all the law from when you were young. Okay. 
Now, go and sell all that you have. The guy went away so sorrowful. For he had great treasure. Hmm. One person said he had great treasure. The Greek says, for great treasure had him. <laughs> now, the guy was doing, 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 doing. And Jesus said, okay, you said you have done all the law. Okay. Now, go and sell all that you have to the poor. He couldn't. He's broken the first one. He, was, he had covetousness in his heart. And the Lord says, thou shalt love the Lord your God with everything. He couldn't do that. He couldn't even give everything he had to God. He was withholding it. You know why he was saying, what, why he couldn't give? How can I give my hard-earned money to the poor? So he sees the money as something he earned himself. Therefore, to part is very hard. But if you see what you have as free gift from God, it can go because it's free. It came by his free favor and he can give you more. But if I end it by my sweat, it's from me. I won't let it go. Maybe I will not get it. Please, I understand what I'm saying. One proof that you are flowing in grace is that mm, because God freely gave it. But look at, this is um, Luke 18. It is juxtaposed with Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a publican. You know publicans? Publicans were chief sinners. They were worse sinners than adultery, uh, prostitutes. They were, not, uh, uh, they, they were prevented from entering the, entering the temple because they sided with Rome, Rome, uh, the kingdom of Rome against their own nation. So they were the top sinners in all of Israel. They were co- called traitors. They have betrayed their nation. Uh-huh. Look at how Jesus went to his house. There was no, what shall I do? There was no anything. They were just there feasting and enjoying. Enjoying the presence of Jesus. Then Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, look, half of my goods I give, my good, my good I give to the poor. And if I've taken anyone, defrauded anyone, I'll restore to him fourfold. Jesus never told him to do anything. He was just enjoying Jesus. He ended up fulfilling the law. The one who said he had kept the law couldn't even give anything to any poor person. Do you know what it means to give half of your good to the poor? And the rest of the half, if you have defrauded anyone, you are going to restore fourfold. That is Exodus 22, the law of restitution, the law of the trespass offering. So he ended up fulfilling all just by enjoying Jesus. Not by what I have to do, what I don't have to do, trying to earn something. The rich young ruler came to earn by his strength to please God. This guy just enjoying Jesus, eating and drinking. <sighs> he gave all. I think we have to continue tomorrow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, for instance, you are struggling with something. Say, Lord, I promise you I'm going to stop. Then you plan how you are going to stop. Satan becomes happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please, do you understand what I've preached? Say, I'm the righteousness of God. So when do you mix faith with all of these things? That's why we can't, we can't see the pure faith. Pure faith is on Christ, sorry, Christ alone, Jesus alone. Pure faith anchors to him alone. It's to him alone. And his glory alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It will strip 
as from everything, every self-dependency, we look to him alone. You are accepted based on what Jesus did. I'm blessed based on what Jesus did. I live based on what Jesus did. Whatever I am is based on what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With this consciousness, you produce fruits of righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With this consciousness. But when you are law-minded, you become a prisoner to sin. Because the strength of sin is the law. Christ was of no effect to the Pharisees. Look, the scribes and Pharisees, there was a day Jesus was preaching. The Bible says the power of God was present to heal. The doctors of the, the, doctors of the law were all present, but not one person was healed. The congregation were all the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. The Bible says, check the Bible, the power of God was present to heal, but no one was healed. So he was of no effect to the scribes and the Pharisees, but he was of effect to the prostitutes and to the harlots and to the publicans. <laughs> Praise God. Say, I am the righteousness of God. Say, I have the faith of the Son of God. Say, I have the faith of the apostles. Equal faith in quality and in quantity with the apostles. I can do by faith what Jesus did, what the apostles did. Hallelujah. Understand that Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Lift up your voice and glorify his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Looking unto Jesus <laughs> is he alone. <laughs> it's his righteousness. He alone. He alone. He alone. Christ 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 alone. Unmixed faith. Unadulterated faith. Hey! Lama Sombra Sambra Sambra Sambra. All of you lift up your hands. Lift up your hands, sister. Lift up your hands. Let the power of God rest on you. Lift up your hands. Let me see faith in the building. The atmosphere of faith in the building. You are for signs and you are for wonders. You are for signs and you are for wonders. Mara, Baye, Kose, Bale, Sunday. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The faith of the Son of God. Thank you, Jesus. The power of God. Oh, Ramashamba, Ramashamba, Ramashamba. Hey, hey. Spring up for exploits. Spring up for exploits. Spring up for exploits. I see a turn around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, lift up your voice and pray. Declare your righteousness in Christ. Declare your righteousness in Christ. Declare your healing, your health, your prosperity. Declare your love. You are working in love. You are working in faith. Faith righteousness. 
you are whole you are well you are full of joy the joy of God hey 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 Jabali 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 thank you Jesus God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.